I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WIAB, broadcasting from the Mac Hike of Flowwood Studios. Uh, today's Tuesday. Next hour, we will get to some Tech Tuesday stuff. Uh, there's a b- big new chat, or I guess a search tool out there. We'll take a look at some of who the investors are in this technology. So we feel like we might be seeing the first real challenge to the G company. I guess I can say Google when I'm talking about the death of their company. Or I just don't promote them as a search engine, but... Uh, It's kind of interesting to look at who is investing in this thing. Feels a little bit like the two-party system. (laughs) They're going to capture us no matter where you go. uh, They're going to retain control. So anyway, we'll take a look at that and a couple other technology headlines. Tomorrow, I wanted to just go ahead and mention this. Tomorrow, uh, we'll be doing Hump Day Health as we do every day, every uh, week from 10 to 11 o'clock. And I will have Allison Noe on again. She is this holistic health practitioner that I was introduced to by Clay Edwards. She's really fantastic. Uh, really appreciate her contribution to the show. She's going to be on for, I think, a record fourth time now within a short period of time. And we will be making a big announcement tomorrow on Hump Day Health. So tune in for Allison Noe uh, tomorrow. And she will also have her contact information. I've had several people ask me how to reach her. I think I've responded to everybody. If I have not, you can email me again, MikeMadison at WYEB.com, or you can tune in tomorrow. And uh, Allison always gives out her contact information there as well. So, uh, quotes of the day today. This is from Steve Patterson. Steve Patterson says, quote, It's remarkable how many people believe themselves intellectually superior for repeating what authority tells them. It's also remarkable how school is structured to reward students for repeating what authority tells them. I wonder if there's a connection. We all run across this. And this is is a big problem I have with partisanship and an embarrassing chapter of my life as well. When I was a Kool-Aid-drinking, neocon, warmongering Republican back in the 1990s and I, I watched the Sunday news shows, so that Trent Lott or Newt Gingrich could tell me what I needed to tell everybody that week. And I felt like I was so smart, I really understood the world. Because I watched Fox News Sunday and got my talking points from Republican politicians. It's, a, it's an embarrassing chapter of my life. I've grown. I was young. I was naive. But it's remarkable how many people believe themselves intellectually superior for repeating what authority tells them. I am in a in the process right now of trying to deprogram somebody from the climate hysteria. And I have set them along the path of exploring what the World Economic Forum, uh, what their plan for us is. And this is working. 
<laughs> when you can point out to a leftist, and this goes to people who believe they are intellectually superior for repeating what an authority tells them, when it comes to the climate crisis, uh, people have been seriously hoodwinked, and they have no idea who is behind this. It's very easy to listen to things about the earth and we want a good environment. We want clean air. We don't want the earth to meet an early demise. Of course, they've been predicting this since the 1960s. It was always five, ten years away, and they've gotten it wrong every single time, yet people still listen to these people. But when you can get with somebody, typically somebody on the left, and start just asking them questions, not shouting them down, not calling them stupid, but ask them questions about, do you find it concerning at all that... Uh, BlackRock, one of the most powerful financial institutions, a, a true billionaire's club of the World Economic Forum. Do you find it odd that they are the people at the top leading the charge? Are you familiar with the World Economic Forum and what their plans are for your life, all in under the guise of this, air quotes here in the studio, climate crisis? And then you just direct them. Well, I'm not real familiar with the World Economic Forum is something you might hear. And you'll say, well, let me provide you with some of their videos where they explain you'll own nothing. You're going to share your house. You're, you're going to share a car. And, you know, I, I would imagine that for the people on the left, if and what I tell them to do, I say, imagine a low income person's life in this scenario. If we go all electric and cars are in pretty high demand, they're obviously going to be very expensive. What is going to happen to the poor, downtrodden, working class uh, American or citizen of the world should this transpire? And it's actually it's, it's interesting. I, I enjoy watching somebody come around on these things. They believe they're being intellectual. What they're actually doing is just repeating what authority has told them. It's easy to deconstruct. Uh, Al, Alvin Toller excuse me, Toffler, said, quote, one of the definitions of sanity is the ability to tell real from unreal. Soon we'll need a new definition. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that true? It's, it's either that or we've got a whole slice of our society, an awful lot of people, what, what 65, 70% are, are insane. They cannot tell the real from the unreal at this point. And I love this one. This guy must be a comedian. Uh, his name is uh, Steve Hofstetter, and this is one of the it's the, one of the beauties. Nothing's better to me. There's no better night out than going and seeing a good comedy show. Sometimes there's nothing worse than going and seeing a bad comedy show. Have you ever been to live comedy in a comedy club and the comedian is bad? It it hurts me. It makes me uncomfortable for them. I feel bad for them. It's just, it's really bad. But when you go to a comedy store club. And see a good comedian. It is one of the best times uh, that you can have. Comedians are supposed to make interesting observations. They're supposed to highlight the absurdity of life in funny ways. And this guy nails it. This guy's name is Steve Hofstetter. He says this, quote, If you bring too much liquid, the TSA confiscates it and throws it away in case it's a bomb. So they throw it away in case it's a bomb in the garbage can, right next to them, with all the other possible bombs, in the area with the most amount of people, in case it's a bomb. <laughs> I ne never, ever thought about that. Wildly true, isn't it? 
They are stripping you of your stuff. Dare you take an extra two ounces of shampoo with you on an extended road trip. Or excuse me, I guess it's not a road trip, it's air travel. You, you take a couple of ounces more, you can't have that bottle of water because it might be a bomb, so they throw it into a trash can full of other potential bombs. This is your TSA in action. That's a brilliant observation. Uh, the guy that goes, or a, a person, <laughs> I've told you, you know, uh, Babylon B did this, this funny video about how to win an argument with a libertarian. And it was actually very pro-libertarian, but it talked about some of the stereotypes about the Libertarian Party, and one of those is that there's not a whole lot of chicks. Now, that's not entirely true. There's absolutely some fantastic women in the Libertarian Party or with the Libertarian philosophy, but, you know, it's it's probably, the, the proportions are probably smaller than the Republicans and Democrats, but... um. So when I see anything that's libertarian, I start to say this guy, but it could be a girl. Uh, they go by the handle on Twitter of Libertarian in Chief that says the Republican Party wants to not hire the 87,000 additional IRS agents. The Libertarian Party also wants to fire the existing 93,000 employees. Amen. Amen. I've talked about that many times on this show. I've asked people to follow the Libertarian Party on Twitter and just see what you could disagree with. I think I found one, but maybe this is a point worth considering, just to try to uh, add a little something to the conversation. Because when I, I don't really know how I feel about this, uh, libertarians don't agree on every single thing. Uh, Libertarian Party tweeted this out: "Abolish ICE and replace it with nothing." Now, this is the Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, operation. Now, as a conservative. I would imagine most people seeing the border crisis we've got right now, you want to empower ICE, you want to empower our border control agents, because obviously things have gone insane on our southern border. Well, unless you looked at the video from Joe Biden's trip to the to the border where they cleaned up, they cleaned everything up, they whitewashed everything. It really is just the manipulation, and the media goes along with this. The media knows what the border looked like before Joe Biden got down there. They knew that there were basically migrant encampments of people in just abject poverty and desperation along the border. They just went through and rousted them, cleaned them all up so that Joe Biden could have a photo op, but they don't tell you that. They know these things. As I say, the Soviet Union would just drool over the propaganda machine that is the U.S. federal government uh, in 2023. But when the Libertarian Party says abolish ICE and replace it with nothing, I don't know how I feel about that because I believe that our federal government has very few things that it actually should do, but protecting our borders is one of them. However, could states not be uh, more more proactive in defending their own borders with the federal feds out of it? And when you stop and think about it, this illegal immigration problem is not new it's highlighted. It may be worse. There's a lot of chaos breaking off in particularly Mexico right now because of the failed, incredibly damaging drug war. Another drug lord has gone down. It sparked a civil war, as it always does when a drug lord goes down. Drugs are never interrupted. The supply never goes down. They get more deadly. They get cheaper. Everything happens that's bad, <clears throat> but it's not interrupted. So they've arrested the son of El Chapo, and now all hell's breaking loose in, in Mexico, and I would imagine in other parts of Central America. So it is more people are fleeing. But when you stop and think about the fact that this issue at the border is decades old, 
And we've had Border Patrol. We've had ICE through Republicans and Democrats. And you might say, well, Donald Trump was more supportive of them and things improved then. Yes, that's the point. Uh, Do we need a federal group? Because this ICE, these Border Patrol agents, they actually hamper federal policy on our border, actually hampers and challenges states that try to secure their own borders. We've seen this with Greg Abbott in Texas going back and forth with the federal government, him trying to control his own borders. Would states not be better suited to do this in the first place? Or do we need this big federal body? Because I would imagine conservatives don't like to spend a whole lot of money on a whole lot of federal uh, projects, but I would imagine that they really want to fund ICE. The problem is, is that what happens when the next administration comes in and they make them stand down? Obviously, decades of ICE and Border Patrol have not secured our border. So as I say, I don't know exactly if abolishing ICE is the best idea to do right now. I do believe I do believe that ICE and our Border Patrol has set up this constitution-free zone about 100 miles into the country that is really, it, it's not a good thing. But I just say for conservatives to stop and think for a minute, maybe the problem is that we have laid this responsibility on a horribly corrupt and inept federal government in the first place, and maybe we should abolish ICE and actually tell the states they are in charge of their own borders. Now, you would see some blue states, California. They might absolutely flood themselves. If there was no federal involvement whatsoever, they would just open the floodgates and allow uh, immigrants to come into California. This is why I say a national divorce is in order because then other states could protect themselves from people trying to leave California and immigrate further into the United States. And believe me, if there are a lot of illegal immigrants in California today, they're wishing they were not there. California is getting prison-pounded by some weather, apparently. Um, There's uh, one story. I'm going to gloss over it in about a minute, and that is this story about Joe Biden busted with classified documents. Of course he was. Presidents of the United States do not care anything about national security. They're not careful with documents. None of these rules ever apply to them. Of course he does. And of course the media will be wildly hypocritical in this after they attempted to take down Donald Trump and accuse him of treason for doing exactly the same thing. Of course they will. (laughs) These are kind of the layup stories that I don't spend a whole lot of time on. They, they don't these people at the they don't they don't care. They don't care about these things. These are political theatrics at best. And they classify our government is so secretive because they're up to so so much no, uh, things that are not good <clears throat> that they classify everything. Barack Obama, every president comes in talking about the transparency that they're going to give our government never seems to come around. They classify everything. So. uh Yes, wild hypocrisy. Yes, if it's a rule, then Joe Biden should go to jail. Any president who's got classified, if, if, if they want to say that this is something that should get one person in trouble, it should get someone else in trouble. But uh, the bottom line is they all do this stuff. The hypocrisy stuff is quite obvious and at that point boring. I'm not Sean Hannity. Uh, my bank account proves that. You you can make a lot of money gaslighting conservatives as a neocon statist with a CIA lapel pin telling your viewers that you oppose the deep state. That is a very, very profitable model. I have uh, have gone the opposite direction. So I don't know why I don't take the easy path, but there will be 
endless hours today on Joe Biden and the media and government's hypocrisy on his handling of classified documents compared to how they uh, treated it with Donald Trump. I'm going to move on to other things. When we come back, we're going to take a look at a couple of economic stuff, and you're going to want to stick around and hear. <laughs> There's a story about how our youth just doesn't seem to have the right wor- the same work ethic that we had. Now, I am kind of a defender of these the youth on this program because they are a product of us. They didn't drop here from another planet. They didn't sprout out of the ground unnoticed by anybody else. No, the adults of the world today raised the next generation. But there is a just a beautiful clip of a woman explaining exactly what kind of work she's she's acceptable to. We'll get to all that. All right, we're going to take a look at what's going on with the U.S. economy, always trying to get a clear picture. It's that time of the year again. Uh, Let's see, get my clip ready here. Uh, It feels to me like this happens about once a year. Am I wrong? I didn't do any research on this, but this feels like an annual event. Bed Bath & Beyond warned today that the company has serious doubts about its future and may have to file for bankruptcy. The home goods chain, founded more than 50 years ago, announced plans last summer to lay off about 20 percent of its corporate employees and close around 150 stores. The company also owns children's retailer Bye Bye Baby. So Bye Bye Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, (laughs) Am I wrong? Is Bed Bath & Beyond, it feels to me like just about every year they declare bankruptcy. I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not sure. Uh, I have become, in the last uh, 10 to 12 years, I've become a minimalist. A lot of people think that's some hippy-dippy stuff. I'm telling you, we own too much stuff. We own too much stuff. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond's got some great stuff. No knock against them. I certainly have shopped at their stores. They're big. They're pretty. They've got a ton of different inventory, but I do not darken the doors of a Bed Bath & Beyond, regardless of how many $5 off coupons they send me because I'm actually trying to pare down uh, everything I own. So anyway, Bed Bath & Beyond, laying off people, headed into bankruptcy. Um, As Americans, we're not great at learning lessons. And this may be why some people might accuse me of being blackpilled. I will admit I am pessimistic. I'm starting to see videos again of masked people screaming at unmasked people in stores. Now, I am not entirely sure if these are current videos. These are never time-stamped. These are pictures from grocery stores and Walmarts. I saw one elderly gentleman. No, I'm just going to call him an old man because he was crotchety just screaming at some other innocent bystander who was not wearing a mask and a Kroger to the point where I believe he pushed him. He pushed the unmasked man away from him. And then when he was approached by a store employee, he told them to get back as well. This is feeling an awful lot like the beginning of, uh, I guess we didn't go mask crazy until March of 2020, but this is uh, between the news out of China and mask mandates coming. This is feeling very deja vu-ish. But we're not good at learning lessons, and this is why I may get so pessimistic on people. It's, it's the same thing as hearing people say, 
Yeah, we regret the last 20 years of war. Turns out it was for nothing. It's just for this. It, it, it had nothing to do with national security. People finally waking up to 20 years of endless Middle Eastern war and them saying, but we need to make sure that we're building up our military to take on China. I hear this on the conservative side of things all the time. you led by the Sean Hannity's of the world, the Mark Levins, all of the people that are ready. Somebody sent me a video. I'm trying to decide how to reply to him. I sent it to me by text. I'm trying to trying to figure out how to reply to him. That wasted an hour of my time with somebody that was saying that uh, within the next couple of weeks, maybe, that China is going to make an amphibious assault on the United States. <laughs> They're coming to take our stuff. Maybe that's what this, what this weather coming into California is, is to soften up our defenses, to move the water further inland so that they can smoothly sail into Nevada. I don't know. But anyway, we we just don't seem to learn the lessons. There, we, we understand we've made a mistake. We just don't see the next mistake coming, even though it's dramatically similar to the last mistake. And I'll explain to you why I'm even mentioning that. Uh, there's a story. We know the housing market has been having some trouble. Interest rates are averaging around 7% now, up from the 3%, 3.5% they were just a year ago. And so this has put a great deal of strain on the housing market, obviously, when house payments go up, people cannot afford as much house. And so there's been a incredible downturn in mortgage applications and home sales after a red-hot uh, beginning of 2022. But when I say we don't learn lessons, listen to this. The National Association of Mortgage Brokers describes a mortgage buy-down as a type of financing that provides lower interest rates uh, for at least a few years of the mortgage. They're typically offered by the home seller or builder who contributes to an escrow account that subsidizes the loan during the first uh, first few years. In a two-to-one buy-down, homeowners can save on interest rates for the first two years of the loan, but will pay full interest rate at the time of signing for a third year. A three-to-one buy-down operates under the same principle. Lower payments for the first three years and full interest for the fourth year of the mortgage, meaning... Boy, does this not feel an awful lot like what we went through right before the housing crisis, which was the adjustable rate mortgage. This is what led to the housing crisis of 2008. There was also liar loans. There were some other things that are probably not going on to that extent today. But one of the biggest things was when mortgage rates started to reset, people who had bought homes on teaser interest rates, when they reset to normalized interest rates, they could not afford their homes. And so now we're at another situation where sellers and home builders are saying, look, doesn't look like you can afford this house, but we'll give you a kind of a teaser rate on this, give you a lower payment this year, a little bit uh, higher payment next year, and then full-on payment the third year. So this is perfect for anybody who wants to get into a house cheaper now as long as everything goes perfectly for you for the next two years. And it's pretty good consensus out there right now across almost all spectrums that we are headed into a recession. A lot of people over the next couple of years are going to lose their jobs. And we are repeating this exact same thing we did going into 2008. The adjustable rate mortgages, essentially this is not an adjustable rate mortgage, but it's pretty darn similar. And what they says in this story, too, it says, well, if you go in now and you... 
you get the low interest rate in your first year, slightly higher in the second year. If you get to the third year and you can't afford uh, the full interest rate, you can always refinance. This is exactly what they told the adjustable rate mortgage people back in 2005, 2006, 2007. Here's the problem with that. Number one, in three years, you have no idea where interest rates might be. They may be at 10%. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a very real possibility that could happen. So obviously, if you can't afford this thing to reset up to the full 7% in three years, you're sure as hell not going to be able to afford to refinance to get it up to 10%. Here's the other thing. We're going into a recession. You can't have any scars against your credit. Everything has to go. This is always, this is always the sell. Never think of all of the potential things that could go wrong with this. And this is for home sellers and home builders. God love all of them. I don't have anything against anybody trying to sell a home or a home builder out there trying to provide a home to somebody and make some money along the way. But this is basically dumping huge risk on American people who are having trouble affording homes by trying to pull these gimmicks again that leave homeowners very vulnerable in two or three years. That did not work out well for us last time. I'm just saying. Same thing is happening. I've already talked about the car market and the new loan structures that they're trying to do with cars that will assure that people will default on one car. The car dealership's only concerned that they don't default on the car that they sell them anyway. It's too complicated to get into right now. But, boy, just just like uh, the beginning of this year is starting to feel like 2020, a lot of this year economically is starting to feel like 2007. And uh, for those of you who remember 2008, 2009, it did not turn out well. I'll take a break. I've got one good investment tip for you. It may be a time to invest in cryptocurrencies. I am not a big crypto fan as far as the value of them. The concept of them, I'm on board. Something that is away from the government, I'm absolutely on board with that. The idea that a a Bitcoin is worth $16,000, there's no justification for that. No justification for it being worth 70000 No justification for it being worth 1000 It's only worth what somebody else will pay for it. But the bottom line is the crypto markets have become speculative. People try to make money. They place bets, hoping to make money. Uh, we may have just had a buy signal on cryptocurrencies. I'll explain that when I come back as well. Stick around. I have never been a cryptocurrency investor. I kicked myself because I almost put a couple hundred bucks, like two hundred dollars, into into Bitcoin back in two thousand and ten. But I was going through a horrifically expensive divorce at the time, and even two hundred dollars with the legal bills I had flowing in, I just felt to myself, you know, just now is not the time. And it kind of went off my radar. Of course, that two hundred dollars had I held it, and I don't know that I would have, but it certainly would have been worth you know, $10,000 in, in a few years, $200, I might easily have just let sit around until I realized that it was booming. I probably would have sold out early thinking I had really scored, but had I held on to it, it would have been worth millions of dollars. In 2010, I think Bitcoin was trading at like a dollar a coin. But uh, I've not been a crypto investor, and I, while I cheer for the idea of going around the government, I have all my suspicions. I think the government will come in and crush it whenever they want to. I think we're already seeing evidence of that. They don't want to compete. They want to roll out their central bank digital currency. And there's no intrinsic value to a Bitcoin. 
There's just no number you can put on why it's worth that. With everything else, with any stock or even a commodity, you can go out there and say, look, this business owns X number of dollars of real estate. They own this stuff. That's an asset that they've got. They've also got this number in revenue and their profit margins are this. You can get a base case. It doesn't mean that the stock is always going to follow the trajectory of profitability, certainly not in the last 14 years when all stocks trade only on whether or not the Federal Reserve is printing money. It has no, no bearing on whether or not they make money anymore. The whole stock market moves strictly on low interest rates and basically free money for Wall Street. That's what drives the markets, not individual companies. There's some exceptions to that, but the trend of the market is entirely driven by the Federal Reserve at this point. It's really sick. It's twisted. It's not normal. But there is no value to a cryptocurrency other than what somebody else will pay you for it at the time you want to sell it. That's it. That's, that's about as speculative as it gets. I mean, you can get into oil, and at some point, the world, the entire world says, we have to have oil. Contrary to what the climate alarmists believe, it's pretty important to our way of life. You know there's going to be a demand for oil. Now, you don't know what that demand is going to be in three years if you buy oil stocks, but you know there's going to be some demand because it's a product people have to use. Cryptocurrency, there is no such thing. And I know there's some crypto people who really disagree with this idea, but there's that nobody has been able to tell me, and there's smart people on both sides of this issue, nobody has been able to tell me why a Bitcoin's worth 16000 or why it was worth 70000 a year ago. Obviously, it wasn't worth 70000 was it? I believe right now it's trading around 16000 17000 I would imagine, and possibly in a year. It will not be trading that high either, but that's just my guess. But I could be wrong. We may have had a buy signal on cryptocurrencies, and here's why I tell you that. Jim Cramer tweeted this out. <laughs> Jim Cramer tweeted out, Good chance again, all caps, to get out of crypto and scale out of Chinese stocks as neither can be trusted. Uh, Jim Cramer... <laughs> I think a lot of people make a lot of money doing the exact opposite of what Jim Cramer says. So we're marking it. What is today? January 10th. We'll see where crypto is in six months. Jim Cramer has come out against crypto. This is so wildly disingenuous, too, because CNBC has been suckering people into cryptocurrencies at its highs through an endless stream of people coming in and talking up crypto on CNBC because... Is it because the CNBC hosts believe in cryptocurrencies and they can tell you why it's worth a certain amount? No, it's because all of these exchanges, including FTX, have spent massive amounts of advertising dollars on CNBC. It's the same reason that NBC, CBS, ABC, MSNBC, Fox, and CNN try to sell you on endless boosters because they are sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies. CNBC has been largely sponsored by the crypto companies, and they have been trying to get you to pour into cryptocurrencies. And people have lost about 75% of their money over the course of the last year. So anyway, Jim Cramer says it's time to sell cryptos. That might mean it's time to buy. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and take a quick break here, and then I'm going to come back. Funny clip. I feel bad for millennials. I make no secret about that here. I feel bad for Gen Z people. Uh, we we bash their generation, but they were raised by us. You need to look, you know, I think we all know this. You need to look at the parents. Your children are a product of parenting. 
Uh, they may go off in some wide, you, know, you can't control everything your child does. God knows there are things, <laughs> as I was a young adult, that uh, I did that were not pride-inducing in my parents. But they raised a decent human being, and that was always my goal with my kids. But parents raise these kids. I feel bad for them because we have really stacked the deck against them, <clears throat> particularly economically here in this country. The baby boomers, the Gen Xers, of which I am one, we have looted the place. We're leaving them holding the bag. And I think that is uh, inexcusable, unforgivable, but <laughs> they, do, they do provide some humor from time to time. When we get back, we're going to listen to, there, there's problems hiring youth these days. I'll give you some personal stories about that, but also there's an interview with a woman, and she explains what kind of work she's willing to accept. I feel bad for them, but, you know, I can't help you if you want to help yourself. We'll be right back. I don't know exactly when it happened that uh, youth started getting these ideas of, uh, you know, not ever having to contribute anything you don't want to. And, you know, you need to be validated at every turn. I don't know if it's a trophy for everything. I don't know if it's the resurgence of the ideas of socialism, uh, because trust me, if you go into a socialist society, you're going to be a part of the machine. It's, it is not this uh, it's not this flowers and candy life of uh a real comfort that you're led to believe. But I, I don't know where that happened. Again, as I say, the adults raised them, and, you know, maybe. I also think that the COVID stimulus, it's almost like, you know, kids were probably working at that time. Then all of a sudden they realized, oh, I can kind of play video games and get paid. That really makes for a, an immature mind the idea that you have to put down the video game controller and start showing up for work again. We've that's broken a pattern. I also noticed when my kids were in high school, my kids worked. I told my kids when they were 12, old enough to push a lawnmower or pull a rake, I said, you need to earn some money. You can either earn some money from me around here, or you can go out and find a job. I helped them set up a pet sitting business to earn money. I said, the days of you just walking up and saying, I need $20 uh, to go see a movie are over. That was at age 12. If they worked and they earned money, I just gave them $20. I didn't make them spend their own money to do it because I was proud that they were earning something. They've always worked. They work up to and including today. But their friends did not. They went along with it. They were okay with it. I didn't. I got some pushback. I'm sure they weren't happy about it. But they work and they produce up to and including today. But for some reason, we, we've gone off track about this and uh, we're seeing it. Businesses are struggling to get employees. I saw some barbecue place. I saw a meme... It was, a, it was an actual picture of their sign where it basically said, if you can breathe, you're hired. Youth is not wanting to work. A couple of funny clips, and then I get to play one of my favorite clips of all time. But uh, this is the story from today. For years now, from employers all over this land, that young people just aren't interested in so many of the jobs out there. Trade jobs, face-to-face, -face, the military. As Karen Paolucci, head of HR at industrial robot maker Yushin in Rhode Island, told me, you can schedule someone for an interview, and they don't even come for their interview. Boy, I can attest to that. Or they'll show up two hours late, or two days late, smelling like cigarettes, slumped in a chair, 
And their only question is, how much do I get paid and how often do I get paid? <laughs> it, it's horrific out there interviewing people. I've interviewed people for my entire adult life. I've been a supervisor or a business owner almost all of my life. It is horrific what I see coming in. It's actually sad. As I said, there are parents that are in charge of setting these kids up, schools that could help get these kids set up for a professional life. They're, they're dropping the ball. Uh, but this is where we are right now. Here is a woman now explaining the kind of work that she's looking for. Today's young Americans just don't have the work ethic of the past. The response we got? I have work ethic for the things that I want to work on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that I feel will better myself and be good for my health as well. Would Jennifer Reardon so in Lawrence, Kansas, who calls herself not a housewife but an apartment I'm wife, sure. take a frontline job? That. I would do that. Um, if I knew that my labor would be valued, that my personhood would be valued. <laughs> I don't know what else to do but laugh at this stuff. I don't know exactly. I've I have employed a lot of people. I have either I have supervised a lot of people. I don't know if I've got a good record of validating people's personhood. That was never really something I was taught. <clears throat> uh, you know, your work is valued when you get. A paycheck and your paycheck re reveals the value of that work if your paycheck is small it's because you don't contribute a lot and if you feel you're underpaid somebody out there if you're a great employee in any way shape or form go out and find that employer that will value you at a higher rate but this uh, validate my personhood that I wouldn't just be another cog in this machine that... Now, what I wonder about that is I wonder how many services she avails herself of that, that require cogs somewhere in that machine. Nobody wants to have a dull, repetitive job. I'll be honest with you. My entire adult life really kind of rebelled against working for the man. I made myself the man. I've worked for myself most of my life. To some success... And to many failures, too. It's not easy being the man. But how many things does she use in her life that require a cog somewhere in... The, I mean, this idea that we all go out and get validating work, you're going to see uh, store shelves empty. You're not going to have any ride share. You're not going to have any restaurants. You're not going to have anything if you believe we're going to remove all the cogs from the machine. Keeps endlessly grinding us downwards. Yeah. And this is really the at the atmosphere. This has been created as uh, youth. Now, it's nothing new. I've got enough time to play this. This is just one of my favorite clips in the entire world. If you've listened to this show for years, you've heard it several times. Uh, this is my first airing of 2023. This is a Noodles employee. We call him Noodle Boy. What would you say about those who would say classism works in the, in the same way? Well... Like I described earlier, there are two fundamental classes that are just a plain fact in society. You either work for someone else or you work for yourself. And most people work for someone else in a way that they aren't free. Um, you don't really get to decide your work. For example, I work at Noodles, a restaurant, and basically it's a different... <laughs> I think half of the reason I think this is a funny clip is because the restaurant's called Noodles. Noodles is a funny word. There. Um, we're told exactly what we're going to cook, how we're going to cook it, what time we're going to get there. And basically, if they don't like what they're doing, they try to tell us what to do. If we don't listen, they get rid of us. And so <laughs> this guy's complaint is they tell us what to cook in the restaurant. They tell us how to cook it. 
and they tell us what time we have to be there. And if we don't do these things, they fire us. Oh, my God. We don't, we're not able to actually cooperate in the way that we make decisions together. I try to convince my, my fellow employees that we should have a union at Noodles so it's a source of power to, to start with. And then I think in terms of the bigger picture, when you look at revolutions, the way that you actually get rid of any sort of dictatorship um, is by having workers take control of the place where they work. Would your plan, your vision for noodles, sure. would it include the owner? This is where what it gets good. He, would he be granted? The owner, if the owner wanted to cooperate with us as an equal and provide his skills that he had, we would definitely cooperate with them. We'd have to abdicate his position as being an owner and controller of us, and he would have to recognize that we we run noodles together, and basically, if he doesn't want to cooperate with us, he's against us. <laughs> My question to these kinds of people is always, if the business loses money, are you all going to reach into your pockets and pull out some money to cover the losses? Yeah, you want all the bennies. You know, when you work for the man, you don't understand the risk and the headaches that the man takes on. Be careful what you wish for. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB, here in the Mac Hike of Flowwood Studios. Thanks for joining me today. The U.S. House of Representatives, run by the Republicans for the first time in a couple of years, uh, has passed their first bill. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And there's a statement here. Now, look, I, I'm trying to move the Overton window on some of these issues. If you understand what an Overton window is, or look it up if you don't, uh, I am trying to free the mind of the conservative. <clears throat> um I'm a little confused on something. Well, let me read this first, and oh, hold on a second. I may have gotten my... Okay, good deal. All right. I had to consult Stephen Utraska on uh, some legislative rules, and so we're going to get into the story. So here it is. The uh, Republican House has moved. The House of Representatives voted late Monday to rescind over $70 billion to the Internal Revenue Service in the first bill under the 118th Congress. Now, the story said it now goes to the Democrat-controlled Senate where it has little chance of progress amid uh, uh, additional opposition from the White House. Now, what I had just now texted Stephen Utraska about was whether or not uh, the House alone can can stop this funding. And he says it's just the House. They hold the purse strings, and that was my understanding. The House of Representatives is the one that uh, signs off on spending on stuff, so... It appears, then, I guess if that's the case, that House Republicans have delivered on a promise. Well, let me read this statement. Quote, House Republicans just voted unanimously to repeal the Democrats' army of 87,000 IRS agents. That's what McCarthy said in a statement on late Monday. He said, quote, this was our very first act of the new Congress because government should work for you, not against you. Promises made, promises kept. Now, I, I can't stand that line <laughs> from a politician. Um, because it's rarely true, but I'll, I'll hand it to them. This is something that they, they talked about, uh, leading through the campaign that they would undo this. Um, my prom- problem really is the promises they're allowed to make to conservatives because conservatives don't demand more. See, I really want to be mad at McCarthy for this. The government should work for you, not against you. No, the government should be inconsequential to our lives. I don't want it to work for me. 
I don't want it to work with me. I certainly don't want it to work against me, which is the vast majority of it. I really just, I don't want it to even work. A few things it could do in the background, but that's about it. Uh, but the problem is, I can't be mad at Kevin McCarthy. He is a reflection of what Republicans have put up with, and particularly when it comes to taxation. There's a statement uh, another representative made, I'll give you in just a second, that is, is a short statement that says everything wrong with America. The story goes on to say the f- the funding to the IRS was part of the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act that Democrat President Joe Biden signed into law in, in August of 2022. A provision in the spending package gives nearly $80 billion in funding to the tax agency over the next 10 years. Now, this is interesting to me. There's a provision in this Inflation Reduction Act, <laughs> which did no such thing, to add $80 billion in funding to the IRS the story says the Republicans just rescinded $70 billion. Feels like a $10 billion increase to the IRS to me, but what do I know? Uh, finishes as the latest bill pushed by Republicans would leave in place funding for customer service and IT service enhancements. That must be what that $10 billion is for. But would rescind funding used to carry out new audits on Americans and funding the increase uh, and funding to increase the size of the IRS. Um, anybody out there want to see their their tech improved? Do you think it is going to help you that the IRS becomes more efficient at its work? I think the IRS is one of these organizations that says, we're still working on, what was the, DOS? I'm not a computer guy. Technology of like the 80s or the 90s? They're always whining about this, even though they get tens of billions of dollars each and every year. They're always whining about the backlogs, telling you the reason they can't get you your refund is because they're working on antiquated systems. Well, anything that slows down the IRS is to our benefit, but apparently the Republicans have given them at least $10 billion in funding for customer service. Here's what Representative Don Bacon, he's a Republican from Nebraska, said on Twitter. Quote, we need more customer service capabilities for the IRS, not for Army divisions, 87,000 worth of auditors who primar- whose primary targets will be small businesses. And when I read that statement, it's, it's a short statement, and I certainly agree we don't need this new army of IRS agents. But for a Republican to get away with, for it to be acceptable, for it to be encouraged to say, we need more customer service capabilities for the IRS. I don't know about you. I'm not a customer of the IRS. I do not choose to do any business with you. If you've ever had any dealings with the IRS and you call them, they actually keep you on hold for about an hour and a half and say, we're assisting other customers. If any customer, I mean, if any company treated their customers the way the IRS treats you, you would take your business elsewhere. And I suggest Americans take your business elsewhere. Get rid of this thing across the board. I'm not a customer. I don't even like it when they talk about U.S. taxpayers. They say taxpayers this and taxpayers, U.S. taxpayers. We're citizens. And I think this shift to refer to us all as taxpayers is deliberate programming of the American people. 
As I've said many times, I know conservatives who are proud to be an American taxpayer. They actually puff up their chest and say, I'm a good citizen. I pay my taxes. Translation to the libertarian, anyway. To the libertarian here, what you're saying is, I allow the government to steal from me, and I think you should allow them to steal from you as well. I'm not a customer of the IRS. Nobody's a customer. They are forcing us to interact with them. And they have this supposed claim on what is entirely an arbitrary portion of your income. There's no budgets. There's nothing that says that in order for us to run a $4 trillion, $5 trillion, $6 trillion budget, we need to collect this amount from the people. No, they just arbitrarily set an amount of your wealth that they are going to steal from you every year, and then they spend whatever the hell they want. It doesn't matter how much they take in. It doesn't matter what they do with it. They just had the Federal Reserve print up more when they want to spend more than what they take in. So that makes your tax, uh, your tax bracket... Whatever they take from year over year, completely arbitrary. You have handed over a giant, sizable, life-changing portion of your income each and every year to 537 corrupt guys and gals. And somehow, even within conservatisms, the strict constitutionalists out there, this has become acceptable. To where you have Republicans going out and saying, we just need more customer service at the IRS. You know, the IRS uh, didn't start there. People listening to this show who lived in a time where there was no IRS. This is according to IRS.gov. The agency officially became the Internal Revenue Service on July 9th of 1953. Well, golly gee willikers, how possibly did this country make it almost 200 years without an IRS? How could we possibly have built one of the greatest nations on earth in a very short period of time historically, competing with countries that have been around for centuries and centuries, thousands of years, and the U.S. leapfrogged them all? By 1953, we were the manufacturing force of the world. No IRS. And yet now we have come to a point where we are long enough in it to where the most people out there can't imagine life without it. They think it's a necessary evil. Because it's been around like a, like a bad venereal disease for so long, people can't imagine doing without it. Uh, I'm going to play a quick clip here. Uh, Thomas Massey tweeted this out. And uh, this is very interesting. This is a training video, or it's a story about the training of IRS agents. I want you to listen to who they're targeting. This is, uh, you can't see the video of it, obviously. This is flak-jacketed, handcuff-toting, arms, uh, weapons-drawn IRS agents out there uh, training. And they're going to do a mock arrest of somebody. I want you to listen who they're arresting. Is it the billionaire who doesn't pay his fair share? No, they are training a class of IRS agents to go after these kind of people. Congress recently appropriated funds, so the IRS is currently looking to hire more special agents or CIs nationwide. We're looking around, starting around $60,000, $70,000, somewhere in there. Uh, and then the advancements are you'll move up, you know, one level every year for a few, the first few years. So 
an agent that's yeah, been. Isn't that great? It, it's interesting. These people look so normal. They look like our neighbors. They look like our friends. And yet they have absolutely no soul in them whatsoever. And in the field for a long time can top out at around $175,000 a year as well as benefits and retirement. These are So there you go, about $200,000 a year to steal. Pretty good gig. Taxpayers, part of the money that is confiscated from you that prohibits a whole lot of people. Hundreds of millions of Americans are stripped of their ability to really set aside money and provide for their future and give their level, give their life a level of comfort. That is stripped from you so that you can actually fund these people. How about that? You ever think about that? It's, it's, it's almost like uh, getting you to build your own cage. And, and I know I come across this way every time I just I can't get inside the, the mind of the conservative that says this is OK. And the reason I know that you think it's OK is because Roger Wicker and Michael Guest and these Republicans campaign and get your votes. And the question's never even asked, hey, could we maybe knock it off with this stealing wealth from people? You guys, what you do with our money up in Washington, D.C., we don't like what you do. You seem to give away a lot of it to some people that sit on the couch in some countries that have just corrupted you all. You do a lot of things with our money that we don't want you to do, and yet not any Republican at any event I've been to. I've been to Republican debates. I've been to Republican campaign stuff. I can't go anymore. I can't watch conservatives fawn all over people who are tricking you into giving up what should be the American dream. It's not even asked of them. It's the most pathetic ask ever. Roger Wicker, if we send you up there, will you lower our tax rate from 27% down to 25%? I promise you I will. Oh, yay! My hero! It's pathetic. Aren't actual police officers, they're students posing as special agents for the IRS, arresting a man who is wanted for tax evasion. <laughs> who are you guys? Now, let's see. Was this, a, was this a cartel member? Is this a money launderer? Is this a, a hacker who's going in and stealing money out of people's accounts and robbing them blind? Needs to be taken down by armed, armed IRS agents. Is that who they're going to arrest? Um, what is this? What did the IRS? Right, You're under arrest. You're going to jail, buddy. Most people don't even know that the IRS has criminal investigators who use their accounting skills and their authority as a special IRS agent to help solve tax crimes. Under this scenario, these students find the owner of a landscaping company has several vehicles that may have been purchased from monies not reported through his business. After an undercover interview using a wireless mic, the special IRS agents find that Dodger, who is selling his business, has two sets of books. Have you ever done any landscaping work before? Ammunition, handcuffs, and first aid is generally what everybody wears, and then it just depends on the individual and what else they want to carry. No tasers. No tasers. That's what. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And in the end, they're taught how to use their skills and finally arrest the mock offender. But we want to identify, hey, police, we're here with an arrest warrant. We're going to be taking you to jail today, okay? That's what you, they want to know because they're going to start asking questions like I did. Who are you? What are you doing? Why are you putting me in cuffs? What did I do? Why do you exist? That would be my question. Yeah, so that wasn't a, wasn't a notorious drug dealer that they are training their agents to arrest. It wasn't a, 
a dark web hacker selling your identity and robbing people blind that doesn't pay taxes on their ill-gotten gains. Not that that's not who they're getting trained to arrest. It was the landscaper who, through an undercover operation, they determined he bought some trucks using money not run through the business. The government did not get their VIG on the $40,000 used to buy two trucks for a landscaping service. This is land of the free. This is the United States of America. And this is normal to most people. It should not be. It's only since 1953. The government collects trillions of dollars outside of individual income taxes. The fact that they are practicing to arrest landscapers because they didn't pay their VIG on a couple of trucks. And not one Republican out there I've ever heard ask one single candidate or even pose the question in conversations with me that this shouldn't even exist as an entity in this country. I'm glad the Republican Party has unfunded, defunded this new army of dead-souled soldiers for the IRS. I'm, I'm happy about that. But the job, they, they're going to let you believe that the status quo is okay. It's just we didn't want to go this extra yard. I'm telling you, free your mind, people. Be right back. I went home with a waitress The way I always do How was I? Yeah, I could talk about the previous topic for the rest of this show and the rest of this week, possibly the rest of this month, <laughs> because it is one of the great mysteries. I, I'm mystified why people wear masks. I'm mystified why people didn't ask questions uh, about the shots. I'm mystified as to why uh, people accepted masking their children, shutting down their businesses, shutting down their churches. Nothing is more mystifying to me than the hold of the tax system on the American people. Grumble, 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 complain, never even ask for any relief from it. It's it's just a like it's there's a part of me that's missing. Everybody else has the update. I, I just haven't gotten it. Something like in, inherently in me, I just it's one of those things. It's why I have in my intro music. Has anybody else noticed this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. And I travel in conservative circles. You're supposed to be the freedom people. Don't even mention taxes. Don't even, you don't even talk about it. Unbelievable. Anyway, we are going to move on. Speaking of other things I don't quite understand, this is important, I think. This is a lead author of a peer-reviewed research reanalyzing Pfizer and Moderna trials on mRNA vaccines, Stephen Freeman. F-R-A-I-M-A-N, he calls for an immediate suspension of jab due to serious harms. So this is a study author on these things, and I think these things are important to get out because this is actually a fairly poorly produced video of him. His face is a little bit out of focus. <laughs> I just It's like the Libertarian Party. I remember watching the Libertarian Party's 2020 uh, presidential debates. The worst production, I mean, I have seen, and I, I had kids go through 
uh, elementary and junior high, I saw junior high video productions done better than the Libertarian Party's 2020 convention. Now, it's been taken over by a different group of people now. This is one thing I would advise them. You need to polish it up a little bit. Uh, but this guy, his video is not great. But I think what he says is wildly important because he's not the only one. There are brave doctors going out there. See, so much of our research is controlled by big pharma. And what they do is they, they'll do a study, and if it doesn't tell them what they want to do, they pretend that study didn't exist. They throw a few bucks at the people, but probably never use them again, and they just keep going until they can cherry-pick the studies that they want to release to, to people. But there are actual real researchers out there doing these kinds of things, and they don't ever get heard from. We know the mainstream media is not going to cover them, so I feel some level of obligation uh, to get these things out. Again, this is the lead author of a peer-reviewed research reanalyzing Pfizer and Moderna trials on mRNA vaccines, Joseph Friedman, or Freeman. He calls for the immediate suspension of jab due to serious harms. Quote, we have conclusive evidence that the vaccines are inducing sudden cardiac death from his peer-reviewed research. Hello, my name is Dr. Joseph Freeman. I'm an emergency physician based in Louisiana. In addition, I am a clinical scientist. I was the lead author of a peer-reviewed study that reanalyzed the original Pfizer and Moderna clinical trials for the messenger RNA COVID-19 vaccines. We found the vaccine increased serious adverse events at a rate of 1 in 800. At the time of publication, my co-authors and I did not believe our single study warranted the withdrawal of the messenger RNA vaccines from the market. However, since its publication, multiple new pieces of evidence have come to light, and this has caused me to reevaluate my position. An article published in the BMJ regarding the FDA's own observational surveillance data. That's the British Medical Journal. Not some guy in a van down by the river, the British Medical Journal. Found the messenger RNAs were associated with multiple of the exact same serious adverse events identified in our original study. But the FDA had failed to inform the public of these findings. Huh. In addition, now we have multiple autopsy studies that find essentially conclusive evidence that the vaccines are inducing sudden cardiac deaths. Yet the rate of these vaccine-induced deaths remains unknown. While many nations that have been using the messenger RNA vaccines have experienced an increase in excess mortality, more people dying than should be expected from past years. And this correlates in time with the initial vaccine rollout and then with the subsequent booster campaigns. Nations with higher messenger RNA vaccine uptake have correlations with higher rates of excess mortality. While the cause of this excess mortality is not known, researchers analyzing this data were unable to identify any other reasonable cause of the excess death other than the vaccines. Given now that Omicron variant is less virulent, and is able to evade much of the protection offered by the vaccines. This creates a situation where the benefits of the vaccine have been dramatically reduced in, for hospitalization and, and death. Together, this information calls into question if the vaccine's benefits are outweighing the harm. I believe, given the information, the messenger RNA vaccines need to be withdrawn from the market until new randomized controlled trials can clearly demonstrate the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the serious harm we now know the vaccines are causing.
And, you know, <clears throat> one in 800 is what they're determining. This is the number they're at right now for vaccine injury. I don't know if that's related just to heart or if that is across the board of all uh, adverse events. Back in the swine flu, some back-of-the-envelope math, I believe. Well, I'm getting my—I think 20 million people were vaccinated against swine flu in the 1970s, and I believe, was it 23 deaths or 53 deaths? Essentially, it's about one out of every million people, maybe one out of every 500,000 people, depending on whether or not it was 23 or 53 uh, people that died during that swine flu vaccine. They stopped it immediately. One— out of every million people or one out of every 500,000 people, now we have uh, adverse events, all life-altering adverse events, and one out of 800 people. And it's full steam ahead. You drive down the highway today, you're still going to see uh, billboards to go out and get your shots. And what's interesting is to me, if you stop and think about all of the people that have so... Look, I see this with politics. People invest their entire personalities. Uh, they, they, they throw their lot in with somebody, as I say my motto is, never fall in love with a politician or a political party. Because then you cannot retreat from it. You invest yourself so heavily in something, it makes it almost impossible to reel it back. I think that kind of love for anything should be saved for your friends and your family, your children. Not for politicians, not for policies, but you think about all the people that are so invested in having told billions of people around the planet to go and get these shots. They cannot, they will not ever admit to a mistake. And you think about the powers that are behind that. That is the FDA, the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, the CDC, the WHO. The medical community, the schools, the employers. Do you know what happens? And I, I'm not really sure. They may be able to get away if, if there are doctors out there or employers that came out and said, I'm really sorry. I was told that the science was that this thing was safe and effective. Uh, I was misled they might be able to get away with some level of grace from the people. Hopefully we do not give any grace to the Anthony Fauci's, the Peter Hotez, who appears to be slithering around Anthony Fauci's old spot, the FDA, the NIH, the CDC, the WHO. They've been doing catastrophic damage to humanity for decades and decades. This shot is just the worst of it. But you look at, you look at doctors Doctors cannot admit mistakes. Their attorneys tell them all the time, you don't ever say that you made a mistake. You can collect the data, and then we'll, we'll, we'll sit down and have a legal conference about it, and then we'll engage the lawyers. But doctors, and, and for some legitimate self-protective reasons, they know they can get sued into oblivion for admitting to a medical mistake. Uh, but with this one, it's huge. It's not one patient. You didn't cut on the wrong leg. You didn't misdiagnose something and miss a cancer. No, what you did was you actually encouraged people to go out and take an experimental shot that has injured and killed millions of people at this point. I don't think there's any chance that they reverse course by coming out and apologizing.
and only hope at this point, maybe they say, we don't need it anymore. That might be their best way out of this. We, it turns out we, we needed it at the time. It was an emergency situation, but I think we can let it go. They're not even doing that. But these researchers are coming out. These stories are coming out constantly. There are several people in the last week or so who have called for an immediate halt to this thing. The studies are out. The science is in. The data is in. These things are a disaster, and they are hurting a lot of people. Shame on you people out there that are choosing to ignore this, pretending it doesn't exist, to experiment on people for a disease that is not hurting people. This is, this is not a deadly disease. This is not Ebola. I don't know that there's a chance in the world that we that we see a wholesale U-turn on this thing, an admission of an error. I think the liability is too big for all of these people. It's a shame because it's pretty important going forward. I don't think we'll see it. There's a story Steve Kirsch has got on where he's starting to go through nursing home deaths. He's encountering nursing homes that have seen three or six X mortality from what they experienced in previous years. In one case, a nursing home usually had two, I think it was a, uh, about a 75-bed nursing home. Typically, they had three to four deaths a year in this nursing home. This past year, they had 24. So the nursing homes are another place. If anybody knows anything about nursing homes around here, it would be very interesting to actually have some real-world data on what's going on in the nursing homes around here. I don't have any access to that, uh, to that industry. But these, these numbers just become more and more apparent every day. The fact there's not been a U-turn done on this, the fact it was ever launched in the first place, the fact that medical professionals turn their back on no long-term testing is a crime, but continuing to do it makes it even more criminal. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB, here in the Mac Hiker Flowwood Studios. Um, technology is about control. As I said, I am engaging a someone who has bought into some of the climate hysteria. The idea is that we need to get away with the get away from the internal combustion engine. Uh, you need to get these people to start viewing. You know, a lot of them are on the left. I think it's very effective to say, what do you think this does to the poor and the working class in every country where this stuff is imposed? There's a lot of things coming out now about electric vehicles, all this. We're going electric with everything. I'm not even talking about the fact that our grids can't handle this stuff. But the bottom line is they do, there's not enough raw materials around to replace every gas-powered car with an electric car, which means there's going to be fewer cars. If there are fewer of something, who do you think is going to be the least likely to have it? Don't you think the wealthy will probably scoop up the available supply and poor and working class people are going to be stuck like Chuck? I actually told somebody, I said, I think I'm more on I'm I think I'm more to the left of you on this issue than you are, and you're a leftist. Uh the, and here's here's one example of that. Here in the United States, the US Consumer Product Safety Commission says a ban on gas stoves is on the table amid rising concern about harmful indoor air pollutants emitted by the appliances. Your federal government that your tax dollars go to is considering doing away with gas stoves. Now, I have a long history in the restaurant and culinary businesses. 
And I will tell you, gas is where it's at when you're cooking. I like gas stoves. I know many people do. But your loving government says they're going to protect you from your own gas stove. What I love is the <laughs> the Libertarian Party, tweet, the party tweeted out that the uh, the government was coming for your gas stoves. They had a picture of a stove with a star on it. It said, come and bake it. <laughs> They've even got a sense of humor. They've even got a sense of humor at that thing. Um, here's a here's a public service announcement. This is Tech Tuesday. Did I even announce this? Um, according to a recent report from the MIT Technology Review, a woman's Roomba robot vacuum cleaner recently took photos of her on the toilet. Somehow the photos ended up on Facebook, shared by gig workers in a foreign country. The MIT Technology Review recently reported that during the autumn of 2020, a group of gig workers based in Venezuela posted various pictures on online platforms where they discussed work-related matter. The images, some of which were often intimate in nature, showed scenes from inside homes taken from a low perspective. In one shot, a young woman can be seen sitting on a toilet with her shorts pulled down mid-thigh. The images were taken by her Roomba J7 series robot vacuum made by iRobot. The photos were sent by... <laughs> You're going to have to start hiding from your robots. Oh, my God. Uh, the photos were sent by iRobot to Seal AI, excuse me, Scale AI, a startup that contracts workers to label audio, photo, and video data to train artificial intelligence. Amazon is in the process of acquiring iRobot, driven by an insatiable lust to hover up every last shred of customers' data. I guess that's Hoover up. Excuse me, Hoover. I, I ruined, I ruined, uh, this story is actually appearing on Breitbart. I ruined Breitbart's pun. I apologize for that. Internet-connected devices captured photos and videos like this and sent them back to the cloud for review. However, earlier this year, the MIT Technology Review obtained 15 screenshots of the private photos that were posted to a closed group on social media sites like Facebook. Breitbart News has reported extensively on the fact that big tech's employees and contractors eavesdrop on employers such as Amazon employees and contractors sharing Alexa recordings in groups. I'm telling you, your house is spying on you. And this is going to keep going as they roll out the 5G and the Internet of Things. You're going to have your refrigerator and your dishwasher making fun of you behind your back. You're going to need to lose weight to look better nude. Not for somebody of the opposite sex, but just so that you don't get relentless teasing and sharing of pictures of you across the Internet. This is, this is where we are. I'm, I'm currently reading Brave New World, Aldous Huxley's book. I'm almost positive I ran, uh, read it back in high school. I have such a bad I've told you, I can't remember who wins in SEC championships in any year. I can't remember movies. I can go see them a couple of years apart, and it's like a new movie to me. I can't remember books. I remember liking it, but I tell you what, I'm just one chapter into Brave New World, and it is creeping me out. The first chapter of Brave New World is about a guy who takes some new interns through their baby factory where they create thousands and thousands of children without parents. No parents are involved uh, in this dystopian future, and they're essentially all clones of each other. They're all identical twins thousands of identical twins and they actually gear them towards different levels of society that they need to fill a bunch that are just smart enough to pull the levers on machines these kinds of things 
Now, I'm reading this Brave New World within about two weeks of me doing the story where they've come out with the artificial womb where they say that they have facilities now and the technology is there to grow 30,000 babies and you can come in and this does involve some parents. You give them the egg, you give them the fertilized egg, but they take it from there, don't have to destroy your body, and you can pick the eye color and the height and the IQ and the skin tone. You can customize your baby. That was a real story I did two weeks ago. This is the dystopian future of uh, Brave New World I'm reading about right now. Those things are starting to come together in a very, very creepy way. Uh, when I come back, the newest thing on technology is this chat GPT. It is very, it's, it's interesting. Uh, some of the guys at the station and I were out the other day. We were kind of playing with it at lunch. It's, it's fascinating, but uh, somebody new is starting to invest in it, so just be warned. Be right back. Far and away, any tech news was <clears throat> certainly uh, the biggest tech news of the past week was this new chat GPT. It's kind of funny. I was talking to some young adult about it the other day. They'd known about it for a couple months. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Well, to us old people, chat GPT really kind of went viral this past week. This is the new so-called AI. I believe it's more machine learning, but I'm not a computer guy. Essentially, you can type in something that is, ask it a question. It gives you an answer where, and I'm going to suspend my my rule of not mentioning the G company because I think it'll be annoying if I keep referring to them as that. Uh, this is Google I'm talking about. I just don't want to promote them as a search engine because they've become so wildly dishonest. They have taken their mantra of don't be evil and changed it to be evil. Um so I'm not a proponent. When I talk about doing a search on the Internet, I say go do an Internet search and please use a browser other than Google. It is full of propaganda and directing people to essentially government talking points. It's just I've watched it morph over my time on the air, and it's been very stark. I used to be able to look up. Obviously, I look up a lot of kind of alternative news type stuff. And I, I it was so easy to use six years ago. Today, I've got to go a 100 links down to find the answer to a health question if it has anything to do with COVID or anything that where the state has taken a, uh, a position. Uh, but at least with Google, uh, you're given uh, a plethora. <laughs> I don't think any of us get past the first or second page of search results. If you're on page 10, you're just out of luck. No one's going to see your stuff. But it's, you know, it says something like out of, you know, 17,465,000 results. You do have some choice there. With this chat GPT, essentially you type in a question and it gives you an answer. Now, people are already discovering this thing's a little wonky. I think the information may only be accurate up through the end of 2021. They're still feeding it information. But it's being called kind of the Google killer, that this may take over search. This is wildly dangerous, in my opinion. We have been down this path of the single source of news. And there's two big ones that, that I can recall that became the authorities in what is real, what is true. And the first one that luckily has had a great fall was Snopes. 
I don't know how many times I've had to deal with people uh, when you tell them something and they go, that's not true. Snopes says it's not true. Well, it came out that Snopes was some morbidly obese cat lady and her perverted, abused husband running this thing out of like an apartment somewhere. Now, they got into a bigger operation, I'm sure, as they got government money to spread propaganda and try to call everybody conspiracy theorists for believing anything. But Snopes was the first, like, authority, if you remember this. It's been a They've been down for a couple of years. I'm not saying they're not in operation, but they've been discredited now. But if you remember a few years ago, Snopes was the authority. If you said anything to anybody, they immediately went to Snopes and said, uh-uh, I checked it out. I snoped it. It says it's not true. Snopes is just a propaganda machine. The next thing we went to was Wikipedia. Now, Wikipedia, I imagine, drives a lot of this new chat GPT. But Wikipedia was the authority on everything. Just go to go to Wikipedia and look up what happened on January 6th. I have not done that, but I can only imagine what it says. Wikipedia is known now to also be highly manipulated. What was this open source book of knowledge is now uh, it's a state apparatus. Wikipedia, a lot of people out there say my Wikipedia page is just full of inaccuracies, but I can't correct them. So Wikipedia, we, people would use Wikipedia for everything. Now, if we turn to this chat GPT, as much as I dislike Google, the idea of going into this system and getting an answer to your question and accepting it as the God's honest truth scares the crap out of me. I bring it to this. Uh, Microsoft has just made a $10 billion investment in this. They plan on getting 49% of this company. Do you trust Microsoft? Do you believe Microsoft is going to shoot you straight? Aren't they the ones, MSNBC? Isn't that Microsoft NBC? I don't know if they're still involved or not, but that's how it started. I'm just telling you, this is another one of these honey traps. Interesting technology, bad idea. No See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now.